be seated. So get ready for the, the message this morning. I want to remind you about small group ministry. Out in the lobby, you'll see a, a table set up with all kinds of cards and people that will be standing out there. I believe that small group is one of the very, very important um, ministries that's being developed in our church. Right now, we have over 14 groups running with over 100 people who are part of them. Considering that our average last month was 1,027 for the month in attendance, there's about 900 of you that need to sign up today for a small group. Small group is a place where you involve yourself in Bible study. It's a place where you make connection and fellowship with people. And at a church our size, sometimes you can get lost very easy. And we are doing our very best to work it so that we have connection and fellowship with one another. Um, so important when you look at the Bible and you look at Acts chapter chapter 2 and verses 42 through 47 it talks about how G, how the Lord brought the church together and when he talks about it he talks about how to set it up and he talks about how they they met in the temple they read the word together they prayed together they broke bread together and they had fellowship house to house and that's part of the plan that God put together so while we support all the ministries of our church and we continue to run Sunday school and family life night, and these are part of our church and they'll always be a very huge staple when it comes to discipleship, it's also important in this day and time to just understand and know that out of the thousand people that attend our church regularly, that many of them cannot come to that one, nine, or ten o'clock hour or they can't come to that 7 o'clock hour on Wednesday night and be here in discipleship if we only offer it in one place. So we're trying to be sensitive to the fact that God gives us methods and ways that, that constantly can be upgraded in this day and time to be able to perform the work that needs to be done in our lives, and that's discipleship. So we want you to grow in the Lord. So we want you to be involved in a small group, not only for discipleship so that you'll grow, but we also want it to be something that that ministers to you in fellowship. It can get crazy in a church our size to lose contact with people. And I've had people tell me before, several years ago, and I hope it's changed, but someone came to me one time, met with me in my office, and they said, Pastor, I have been here for two years, and I'm still new. And that just killed me. So I started working from that moment forward, getting a volunteer life director, getting connection groups, getting small groups, and we wanted to do what we could to bring and bridge the gap uh, with so many people. I hear, I hear a lot of us will say to one another, we'll say, I love you. How are you doing, brother? I love you. I love you. But one day it dawned on me that when a gentleman had met me in the, in the right over here, right where Sister Mary is sitting, he shook my hand. He said, you know, Pastor, I've been coming here for three years. And he said, all I've ever done is shake your hand at the, visit, at the visitation here. And uh, I said, wow. So I sat him down real quick. And I started asking him all kinds of questions. Well, how many, what kind of family you got? What do you do for a living? What's your favorite color? I said, I want to know you. Because I said, I can't tell you that I love you if I don't know you. So we want to work to know each other. Can I get an amen out of this crowd? You're not supposed to get all quiet on me right now. You're supposed to be happy. So meet out there tonight, this morning. Meet some of the leaders and look at the cards that are there. Pick some up if you're interested in those. Uh, the catalog is, is available. It's all over the building. You just pick one of these up. It describes each of the different groups that, you're, that you can be a part of. And if you have an idea for a new group or you'd like to investigate a leader of a group, 
see uh, Sister Melissa Grawl over here. Melissa, raise your hand, Adam. This is our discipleship pastor, and she's over small groups, so we want you to, to look up to her or to look to her to get that information. All right. This last Friday, Friday night, I was privileged to be able to be at the Middletown Middle School. There was this wonderful musical, high school, or a middle school a musical. It was great. It was called uh, Beauty and the Beast. I'm sure you've seen it on TV or in cartoons or whatever. And so I was excited, especially because the main star, the Beast, was played by Noah Locke, part of our church. And he sang and he danced and he, he was just the best Beast you've ever seen. He was awesome. He did a great job. We were all so proud of him. A lot of folks from the church were there. And it was a great night. He was master of a huge estate where he kept this beautiful girl, a prisoner. It's a long story. So he falls in love with this girl. Her name is Belle. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, when Belle's there, she meets a candlestick, a teapot, a chip, a teacup, a clock, a broom, and a dresser that sings opera. They were all alive, and they were trying their very best to, to be human again. And the only way that that could happen is if the beast learns the value of true love and finds real love in his heart. And so it goes on, and the story goes on and continues to have all kinds of action and all kinds of stuff go on. There are wolves, there are attacks, there's a father that's a little senile, and there's Gaston, which is the creepy guy that wants Belle. And all of this happens in the musical. By the time you get to the, to the palace and they're there in the final hours and, and they're wrestling and they're fighting, it's a fight between the beast and Gaston who loses. And the French candlestick, he's up there you know, waving his flames everywhere. And it's a great time as the beast falls to the ground. Gaston is killed and Belle runs to his side and she falls in love with him and kisses him. And when she kisses the beast... He becomes a prince. It's a beautiful story. And then the curtain comes down. When the curtain came down, after a couple of seconds, the curtain went back up and the house lights came up. And the audience was finally engaged with what was happening on the stage. We started clapping and cheering and whistling and taking pictures. And it was awesome. I, we were screaming, Noah, you did awesome. It was an amazing time. And as I left there, I kept thinking, and I meant to say this earlier. It was funny, the first service. I haven't forgotten. When I, with the beast, you know, she kisses the beast and he becomes a prince. I said, it was kind of like Gary and Kathy's love story, you know. <laughs> Just kidding, though. Just kidding. Yeah. But Kathy is a princess. So... As the curtain went down, and it was the curtain call. The next thing you know, the Beast and Belle and all the players, the candlestick, they're all out on the stage. And they're looking at the audience, and they're looking right into our faces, and they're bowing. And they're looking at us, and they're waving. And something, something clicked inside my heart. And I just couldn't get away from it. I'd already been working on this message and had it done, but I had to go back to the beginning of the message over the weekend, and I had to put this together because I went straight to what I had been working on and planning, which was the, 
the veil. And I kept seeing the veil. And the veil in the temple at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. And I remember the Bible tells us that it was, it was torn from the top to the bottom. And I had the Lord speak to me and said, it was my curtain call. And I was like, oh, Lord, I got to know what this means. I got to search this out. And I may not have it all together yet. This was new over the weekend. But I want to read the scripture. If you'll stand with me for just a minute. The curtain call represents mission accomplished. The drama's over. Happy ending. Guy gets the girl, the good wins against evil. And as I kept putting that together and I saw the applause and how all those actors that a few minutes ago, they didn't even know we were there. It's all quiet and we're watching. We're watching as everything unfolds. But then how weird it was when suddenly the two worlds became one. And I realized that the beast was looking at us. The actors, the other actors were all looking at us. It's as if they were saying, we did this for you. This, this was all for you. And I saw this beautiful picture of another passionate drama. One that's based on a true story. Those are always the best. True story about heaven's love come to earth and the drama is is amazing the grand finale is crazy the hero is the savior of the whole world and it's awesome the cast of players are all unique and different kind of like those group of knickknacks these were a bunch of outcasts they all come together to be disciples of the hero he dies but the cool thing is the curtain drops and the story doesn't end it isn't over it's like entering into the the stage coming into the audience and it goes on until we are literally even this morning celebrating over 2,000 years later the fact that it's still unfolding in front of us. Do you see that? I see things like a movie and I'm seeing more curtain calls. I'm seeing a stone rolled away and, and bravo, another curtain call. We thought it was over there, but it wasn't. Then he ascends to the Father. Another curtain call. And I'm looking at the rapture that's fixing ready to come and I'm thinking about the skies unfolding and being rent in two it's splitting right down the middle as he stands out and all of the children of God come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye into the presence of God Almighty and I'm thinking another curtain call God has got a never-ending saga of beautiful true life adventures waiting for the children of God who will dare to continue to trust and to believe him and to stay for the second the third and the fourth act God has got a lot planned for you and I. And it's a real life stage. 
And a lot of folks just look it in from the outside. And they don't even have a clue. I feel so sorry for the people who have no clue this morning. You have no idea. You have not yet developed your faith life. And you think we're all a bunch of idiots. I feel sorry for you. And I want you to know what we know. How many know? Amen. I want you to turn your scripture, if you will, to Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to read verses 50 and 53. We're going to slip right into the saga, the adventure of God, the passion of God. As Jesus is on the cross, there are no more words. He said it all. The seven last words of Christ have already been given. And it says here as the thundering clouds begin to gather. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I'll leave you right there. Father, we ask your blessings on your word. Touch us this morning. And Lord, I pray for the anointing that takes what you've put in me and makes it something that people can receive from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sometimes I wrote this down. The best of heaven's messages have no words at all. Have no words at all. As we see in this scenario right here, Jesus cried out. He died. The curtain of the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked. The rocks were split. The graves opened up. All of this scenario happening as we see this, this veil. What is this veil? Why are we going from Calvary to the veil? Why are we moving? Why is the scene moving from Golgotha over to the temple? What's going on? It's because those two were interlocked and connected in ways that you and I have never experienced in ourselves, but we're fixing to understand what it's all about this morning. It's object lesson. It's God's object lesson. It's God's living parable that happened at the cross. One of the first, I might add, is Jesus used parables all throughout the scripture. In January, we talked about the parable of the coin, the lost coin, the, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And as we've looked at those parables, there's the parables of the rich man, of the man who had the talents, all of these things. We've learned and we've looked at them throughout the word of God, and they teach us things. God uses object lessons to teach us. How many of you have ever experienced in your own life where God has taken something, a circumstance of your life and turned it around and taught you something amazing from that? I've had that happen over and over and over in my life so many different times. And God is forever trying to grow us. He's forever trying to teach us and develop us and to make us worthy of heaven. He, he means for us to get there. Sometimes he has to even go over our own rebellious neck. Stiff neck, 
Sometimes God has to work around us to get us to the place of brokenness so that we are ready for him. Thank God he does. How many did he reach way down for you? Amen. Testimony. But kids, parables. Kids, a lot of times, children's church, no doubt they're using object lessons today. As a matter of fact, when I talked to you about the Beauty and the Beast musical the other evening, I'm giving you an object lesson today. It involves a curtain call, and that's what I called the message. For at the moment that Jesus died on the cross and he cried out from the cross, I mean, it was over. That was the end, the, the finale, the, the good guy dies. And the curtain, there was even a curtain call. But as I said, it wasn't an ending. It was really a beginning. It was God giving us a very dramatic object lesson that hopefully we would never forget, that we would continue to always know and cherish in our own lives and hearts. It seemingly was a grand finale, but it was much, much more than that. It was a symbol of his continuing, everlasting, eternal love for us. When the curtain in the temple, sometimes called the veil, was torn from top to bottom, no one could even believe or understand what was happening when they were there. I mean, this was an impossible thing. Anybody would tell you, if you study how the, the veil was, was made, if you read scriptures and then go back and read writings of those who wrote in the first century, you would see that this, this veil, it, it was impossible. There's no way that the earthquake that happened at the cross or, or the rocks that split, it, it wouldn't matter. There could be nothing that could rip that thing apart like that from top to bottom, especially because anybody knows that if something's shaking and moving on the ground, if something's going to bust, it's the loose end is what's going to go first and things normally bust or break or tear from the bottom up but it went from the top down because it was coming from glory it was coming from the father and he was sending a message to you and I Matthew wrote about the the veil Mark wrote about it Luke wrote about it but anybody who was a true Jewish Orthodox, Mosaic, Hebrew, they understood the impact that that veil had because they knew what the veil represented and what it meant. The, in the Jewish temple, that veil meant only one thing. It meant this, stay out. Keep out. Not welcome. No entry, private, only authorized personnel. You see, they were in the temple when we study that, and I'm not going to go into all the things that I did in first service. I want to move forward because of time. But there were courts set aside for women and Gentiles, a brazen altar where sacrifices were, steps that led up to the temple itself where there were two main rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. In that place right there, priests were the only ones allowed to go up those stairs and to go in to those two rooms. In the one room, the holy place, Priests could go, but only at prescribed times to do very certain sacri uh, sacramental rituals, to only do things that were prescribed in the Word. They were otherwise not to just hang out there. They weren't just to be there. They couldn't just make it a little place for them to leisurely spend their time. They weren't allowed to be there. They would go in, and they would take care of business, and they would go out. Then there was the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a smaller part of that, that, that temple there. The smallest part in the back end there were only the high priest, only one man at a time, 
whoever the high priest was, could go in beyond a veil. And in beyond that veil was the Ark of the Covenant. And he could only go in beyond that veil one day a year. That was the day of atonement. That was the day for forgiveness. And if he went in that that room beyond that veil any other day of the year besides the day of atonement, he was struck down and killed. If he happened to go in there and he wasn't prepared and he wasn't washed and wearing the right garments, he was struck down. If he went on any other day, did not have the, 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 bl- the blood of goats that he needed to place on the mercy seat there, to drop into the midst of the, go- of the lid of the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant lid, he would be struck down. So whoever that man was, he had to be set apart. He had to be right. And he had to be prepared to go in one day a year screamed the temple screamed to the people you can't get close to God no access not allowed the temple was the very center of Jewish worship and yet you couldn't get close to the Lord the two tablets the the ten commandments Aaron's rod which budded in the golden jar of manna were inside the Ark of the Covenant beyond that veil. And that veil, that veil screamed to the world, do not enter, keep out, stay away. It was a a barrier, a roadblock. It's what stood between the people and God. It was God saying, because of sin, you cannot come near, you can't get this, my holiness will not prevent it. And so there was a system A system that cried that we had no access. We could be forgiven. There was a system of sacrifice. There was a system through the lambs and through the sacrifices of doves and through the sacrifices of other animals that were prepared and ready by the priests, only by the priests. It was like us saying that you couldn't come in here in the sanctuary. You could hang out in the parking lot in the outer court and you could be there and you could meal around and talk to priests as they come and go, but the pastors were the only ones allowed in here to do the work of God, and we would pray, and we would make sacrifice, and we would do the things that we need to do as set apart folks, the pastors all set apart for God, for his business and his work. You weren't allowed in here, but look at you this morning. Look at you sitting on your pew. Look at you sitting in here, whether you like being here or not. You are allowed to be in here. You've been granted access to be here. You've been given permission to walk in here and not die. Do we understand and know how holy God is? Do you know it's the holiness, the purity of God? It's not the cruelty of God. It's the purity of God that causes man to not be able to stand in his presence on his own. It's because God is so righteous so amazing, so huge, so important, but yet that God of power, you can't look into the sun and live, at least see, you can't look into the sun's light and not go blind, and yet people dare to think they could look into the face of God, God is powerful, 
He deserves our reverence. He deserves our honor, our awe. There's not enough reverence in these last days. There's not enough awe at the presence of God. When the presence of God intervenes and moves like he does, there ought to be a sense of people falling on their face, falling into the altar, looking up into the heavens and honoring and worshiping him with tears, with brokenness. But we've gotten so far away from those things in these days. God ordered a thick curtain be hung between the holy place and the holy of holies. It was nothing like the curtains you have in your house. It was described best in Exodus 24, 26. Listen to what it says. Verse 31. You shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It shall be woven with an artistic design of cherubim. You shall hang it upon the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold with, upon four sockets of silver. You shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in there behind the veil. The veil shall be a divider. The veil shall be a divider. The veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy. Jewish writers tell us that the, the actual veil was 60 feet long, 20 feet wide. And Jewish tradition states that it was as thick as a man's hand took 300 men to be able to lift it up and to hoist it into place. Jewish tradition in Josephus' writings tell us that it took 82 ladies, damsels, who spent time putting two of those veils together every year. And those veils would be put together by those ladies and sewn exactly as the word instructed. Couldn't be tore apart by any man. The tradition was and said that two horses tied on one end of each of them could not pull it apart. It was mighty and strong in the way that it came down. The writings of Matthew declare and make it very, very clear to us that it was the hand of God. God was symbolically dropping the curtain. Dropping the curtain on this, this act. He was dropping the, dropping the curtain on the finale of sins forgiven and a new and living way coming to the people. The outer court could now empty and people could find their way into the sanctuary of God. They could now approach the altar of God. A new and living way. God screaming to the entire earth. With an earthquake and with the rock splitting and the storm clouds gathering overhead. The blackness that filled the sky. And then God with one hand reached down at that veil that he hated. At that veil that separated from his people. Telling you God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And in that love for you, he reached down at the cross. And when Jesus cried out and lifted up his voice and the spirit literally left him. And he left that body and he was dead. The sin price was paid. God, the first thing he did was send a message to the world. Nothing can separate me from my people who I love. My children. He tore that thing in two. 
20 tore that in two that sent a message that you and I are listening about and you're hearing today. A message that says there's no more separation. There's no more death. You don't have to be on the outer court. You don't have to sit in the parking lot and wait for the pastors to pray and make a sacrifice for your sin. You don't have to sit back all year long and live in the guilt and the condemnation and to live under that wretched horror. You don't have to do that anymore because the price has been paid and a sacrifice has been made and the blood has been shed. And you and I have been given forgiveness through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Now we'll never be separated again. The barrier's gone. The sin that separated us, it's gone. The moment that Christ gave up the ghost on that cross, absolutely a brand new and living way was made. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 tells us what it says. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. And that's another whole message. And having a high priest over the house of God, it says then now, here's like an announcement, like we go out to the parking lot to all the people who are outside and not allowed to go in the sanctuary, not allowed to pray in the altar, not allowed to pray for themselves when it comes to their hearts and their sins. Announcement comes over the speaker outside and it says, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who has promised. The Messiah has come. The high priest has come. And you and I are having, we've been given access We've been handed the rights, the privilege. You sit here. You coming to this church house this morning, sitting on a pew, you being in this service is a privilege. Holy Spirit, help us see that. It's a privilege, young people, to be here. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's a blessing. It's favor over your life that you're even smart enough to be in this house this morning. It's favor. It's powerful. Don't you neglect. Don't you, don't you, don't you let your confession become weak. Don't you allow the enemy to discourage you and cause your hope to be faded away out of your mind and spirit. Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Don't give in. To the enemy, it's a great privilege to be a Christian. I'm going to close in just a few minutes, but I'm going to end it with this story. I'm going to tell it very quickly because it's long and I get caught up in it. I'm learning how to speak fewer words. <laughs> I expected somebody to be sarcastic with that. A few years ago, help me, Gary. It goes better with soft music. <laughs> a few years ago, I was privileged to take a tour of the Buckingham Palace. The flag was up, so the queen was in. And Marty and Angie and I, we, we were there. And we were in England. And it was the year of the Jubilee. 
so they opened up Buckingham Palace and they were allowing people to visit for 50 bucks. But I was excited. I couldn't hardly wait. We went in. We got in behind the big gate and we're looking at those, those uh, the nutcracker guys that are standing out there. And it was so awesome. You know, they're not moving. They're not looking. But we're just like, what up, dude? I got access. I got my ticket right here. Jubilee. I got it. So we get in, we go in the front, we're in the grand staircase, the great hall, the stairs that go up, and it's beautiful. Everything's overlaid with gold, and it's awesome, pearl and marble, and all these beautiful paintings, and all kinds of just beautiful stuff. I'm just in awe. And we're moving around, and they take us from room to room. This is where she meets with dignitaries, and this is where the meetings take place with world leaders. And I'm just like, (gasps) and then they take us into the throne room. Yes, I have been in the throne room of Queen Elizabeth. As you walk in, there's this big, huge red chair. It sits on a platform, and it's got drapes that go all the way to the ceiling, and everyone has to stand far away from it because you're not allowed to just go up there. And I'm walking, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm in the throne room. And we're walking around, and, you know, I'm just like, Marty, where's the queen? I want to see the queen. Nowhere to be found. We went out into the garden, and this is where the queen has tea. And I'm like, oh, I would love to sip tea in the rose garden with Queen Elizabeth. Lizzie and I go way back. (laughs) I'm like, this would be awesome. This would be great. And I looked, they said, this is where the queen sits and speaks with her guests. And I was like, really? I stood at the end of the group, and as we were leaving, I was just like, I scooped up a couple pebbles put them in my pocket because I knew her dainty little feet had been sitting on those kept a souvenir still got them to this day they're in the royal cup because I went and bought the royal teacup of the queen I bought one it cost me pretty much but I bought the thing and it's at my house because you know me and Lizzie we go way back we got through the gardens and through and then we finally get to the end and as we were going through you know, and there was a, a piano, I won't even tell the story about piano. There's a grand piano by Mozart that was given to Queen Victoria. And I just, I was in awe of that. Yeah, I know. They were like guiding us through and I just had to reach over. You know I did. And I just went, I just had to touch it. It's just in me. I, I was that kid, you know, touch the stove. <laughs> but I touched the piano. Yeah. And so we walked by and as we're getting ready to leave, there was, I was like, where's the queen? We're going out into the gardens. I, I'm sure she's not out there. And there was this big door, and there was guard, the royal guard by the door. And this was the access door. This was the door that went from this side of Buckingham Palace to the private side. And that door was access to the queen. It was her private quarters. And those guards stood there. Oh, I wanted to go through that door. I wanted access. I wanted to go see my friend. I just needed to see her. But I had no access. I wasn't important. You see, the queen is a VIP. She's on earth. She's a very important person. Just anybody, you you can't just call her up and say, let's go for tea and crumpets. Doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, being an American living over here across the pond in the colonies that stirred up quite a mess back in the day, I would never get an opportunity to see her. I would never get an audience with the queen. 
as long as I want, as much as I might desire, as many letters as I might write, I guarantee you, I will never be able to talk to the queen. Unless she hears this tape. And if she does, it would be awesome. But it's not possible. I don't get to meet the president. I don't get to meet people. I mean, rarely it does happen. I mean, George Bush did wave at me one time. It was really awesome. I was like... <laughs> but by and large, we don't get an audience. We don't get time. We don't get access to those important people. I can't get free tickets. I can't get a connection. I, I don't have it. But what I do have is the Lord reminds me the king of all kings, the celebrity of all celebrities, the prince of peace, that guy, that king, that Lord, that savior of the universe, that God over all loved me so much that he has granted me a backstage pass to heaven. He's given me all access to the throne room. I get to go in where he's there. Now I can go into the holy of holies. I can kneel and make my petitions known. I can go into the holy holies I can bring my needs my heart my life as several did this morning I'm not taking your names putting them on a list and going to go over here in the altar and pray to the Lord to get you your admission to eternal life it's a new and living way now Jesus meets you right where you pray. And he hears you, communes with you, talks with you. You have an audience with him. And he comes into your life. He makes you part of the family. He adopts you. Now I know William and Harry have access to that door. Well, I got news for them. I'm a son of God. My brother, my elder brother is Jesus. Stand with me. There are a couple little kids here at the church that bless me. I love little kids so much. I always say they own real estate in my heart. I will be down here in the altar on Sunday or Wednesday or any other service, and I'll be talking to Brother and Sister Barnett. We'll just be talking, and they'll be sharing with me a need, or we'll be talking, serious talk, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, little Hannah will come flying up here. And I'll look at her, and I'll say, hey, hold on just a minute. Come here, girl. We get this big old hug, and she goes right out the door. She leaves. No sooner than I turn around, I've said hello to Hannah, and we've had our little hug. Little Ben, Ben Cox will come right in. He comes down with his iPad, and he goes, Pastor Ray. And I'm like, oh, oh 
Hold on just a minute, okay? Come here. There you go. All right. I hug him. We have a good little moment, and bam, he's gone. And then before the service will be over, it'll just happen. Leo Paul Ray McIntosh. I always have to tell you his full name because that Ray part's after me. But Leo Paul Ray will see me in the lobby, and I'll be talking, and how are you? Yes, it's good to see you today. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll be praying about that. Uncle Ray. Next thing I know, I'm, look, I'm like, Leo, hold on just a minute. I give him a big old hug, and he goes flying out the door. They never want anything more than just that minute. They want access. They just want that minute, right? That's the way it is with God. No matter what he's doing, no matter how busy he is in the universe, no matter how massive and big his palaces are, no matter how many doors there are, when he sees you come, he says, wait a minute, hold on, come here for a minute, come here, and he greets us, we have access to him. Someone mentioned it to me one time, they were just like, boy, them kids, they're all over you, and I was like, yeah, they are, I never really thought about it. Never really gave it much thought. I just, I love them, and they love me, and they know that whenever they come, they, they got access. Little Kaysen does the same thing. And, and all these kids, they got like, kids that just do this all over the church, and it's amazing. I love them. But what was real important, what I thought about was this. It's not so much that I give them access. That's not what I think about so much as I, what I love the most, Denise, is that the look on their face. They know. That even though I'm standing down here in the altar and I'm dealing with people or praying with people, talking with people, they know that's Pastor Ray. I can come up and get my hug from Pastor Ray. It don't matter who he's talking to. He could be talking to the beast, Gary Turner, and it won't matter. I'll get my hug from him. And all they want is that access. All they want is to be able to come up and get that hug. And then they're gone. God wants you to know today, you have access. He's given you privilege. He's granted you the right to come into his presence. Sandra, whatever it is we carry, he cares about. Whatever it is we hurt over, he wants us to know, bring it to me, baby. Come give it to daddy. Give it to me, I'm your father. I'm your Savior. I'm your Lord. You have access to me morning, night, or noon. Any time you need me, you just call my name. And I'm on whatever I'm doing, whatever's going on, I'm going to say, hey, come here. Come on. God loves you that much. Don't be afraid to enter his presence. Don't be afraid to bring him everything. Don't be afraid of relationship, intimate relationship with him. Don't be afraid. Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking stand. Know that you've got access. With every head bowed and every eye closed. So many have already received the Lord this morning, but I wonder, is there anyone in here today that would say, Pastor, I want in my life, I want to be more in tune with God's presence. I want to take 
every moment and not take it for granted. I want to take advantage of the access I've been given. I want to understand it more. I know that veil was rent in two. It was torn in two because he wants me to come into his presence. Lord, I sometimes I'm a spectator. I'm sitting in the audience and I'm listening to the Bible story. I'm listening to the passion as it's played out. I'll, I'll come to the cantata and I'll, I'll go through the motions I'll, I'll be here but oh I'm just a spectator I, I don't know anything about connection from that stage out to the audience I don't know anything about anything that, that is personal with me if it's you today and you have got to have that developed relationship with Christ you got to move past being a spectator with him into his presence his throne and if you're here today and you'd pray a prayer with me, yet again, we're going to pray here in just a moment. Then just slip up your hand and write back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful. You ought to hear heaven, right? I wish we could turn the speaker on in heaven. I wish you could hear what's happening every time a hand shoots up what heaven does. It's real. It's not a play. It's not a, an animated child's story. It's a true life adventure that's still unfolding. And there's still a couple of curtain calls left before we all are gathered in his presence. And I want you there. And more than that, Jesus wants you there. So we're going to pray this prayer. And as we do, I'm now going to ask another prayer. How many of you, children of God, you're faithful to God, you love the Lord, but you're like, I want to be more reverent. I want to be more uh, in tune with his presence. I want to seek that access as I never have before. Who would admit that with me? Who would lift their hand? Amen. All right. Let's pray the first prayer together. We've prayed this already today, but we're going to pray it again. We, wanna, we want things to be right with the Lord. Let's do this. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me a child of God. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation with your blood. I accept you as my Savior. I make you my Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let's pray together. Would you do that? Lift up your hands to the Lord. Lord, we come to you now. We come as a body of Christ. We ask you to minister to the people. Draw us closer. Send us a revival of your presence. Let us know you in intimacy like we never have before. I pray, God, you would, be, you would help us to go into those deeper places with you. Lord, as your word declares in Psalm 91 about that secret place, help us, God, to understand and know there's a lot of the presence of and the fire and the power of God waiting for those who have access but sometimes we don't take advantage Lord let us no longer look in from the outside let us come in from the outer core and come in to the inner sanctuary of God where we have been granted access to the very throne room of God we ask you Lord as we come today set a fire inside of us a reverent awesome fire that Lord loves you with every ounce of our being in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Be with us, and Lord, we honor you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.